worried by the end of uh, today that I'd be di- that we'd be down one podcast host, Grant. Uh, there's still a chance, though. Uh, Andy, uh, how are you feeling that Luke Witkowski was traded? <laughs> Not good. Are you still planning on Are you still planning on staying with the podcast? We'll see. Future consideration. Uh, Andy did threaten uh, in the group chat when the Bertuzzi rumors were circling that Andy was going to quit on the podcast if Bertuzzi was traded. And obviously, he's still here. So, yep. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, inter- say that's, that's the only one good thing right there for today. Yeah, it was an interesting Bertuzzi. day for sure. I was on stream all day with Inside the Rink. Uh, we announced the launch of the, uh, the app. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, you guys can listen to the podcast on there and stuff, but yeah, busy day. Uh, not really for the Red Wings. Uh, we, we'll get into that, but uh, how are you guys doing today? Fabulous. Couldn't be better. Pretty not great. Was my, favorite player, my favorite player got traded. And uh, to record, I was running late because I got pulled in at the border. So down two, I'm a dash two to start today. And it's <laughs> 8 p.m. my time, so. Not good, man. You, those border agents—they'll get you. So they just like they just randomly pick you out, or what were you doing? Yeah, I was just like adding one to secondary for random selection. That's fun. Just my number, but it was—it wasn't fun. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I was on a time crunch to get here, boys. And what do you, <laughs> what do, you do when they are searching you? Do they just like do you just sit uh, there and watch them? No, so like. Like, I pull around into secondary, leave the car unlocked. They go search the car, and I go inside to, like, the office, and then they run my my ID and ask me what I was doing in Canada. I was like, oh, I was just visiting my dad for the weekend. Like, All right. It's just a random selection. Like, the guys were, like, half-assed looking through the car. They're like, oh, your hockey year stinks. I'm like, thanks. Played hard this weekend. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Your, uh, your game where you get a goal and four assists. Oh, that was Thursday, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's so funny. All right. Well, hey, anyone, well, welcome into the Production Line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. Andy. And yeah, uh, before we get into past Red Wing games uh, and trade deadline, uh, quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah. For the stream, we had like an automated uh, BetUS ad. And I was like, I kind of just want to insert that instead of reading it every time. But uh, it sounded pretty good too. They paid like they went all that way, like commercial breaks and stuff. So I was like, I was like just shoving food down my my face, like quickly in between breaks. Um, but yeah, underwhelming trade deadline. Maybe we can wrap that up after we get into a couple games. Uh, even though the games feel so distant, and also the fact I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter it was like, why did why did do the NHL have games when the deadline is the same day? That makes zero sense. Yeah, there are 100% shouldn't be games today. I don't know if you saw what Marty said in his press conference today. I think it was his press conference today. 
Marty Saint yeah, Louis. Yeah, San Louis, yeah. He basically just said that it makes no sense to have games on NHL trade deadline day. Like, literally, Marc-Andre Fleury got picked up in a private plane by Billy G and uh, some – who was the other guy? It was his plane. Uh, but he literally just got picked up and got flown to the game. He came in at, like, five today and then dresses the backup today against Vegas. It's crazy. Like, there, like there shouldn't be games. He got a huge cheer, too, from the crowd, which was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. But, yeah, no, definitely should not be games. Like, luckily, Detroit didn't play today, and everyone can get, like, situated in their new locations. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we can get into some of the games. And, again, uh, so distant, and they, like, didn't go well. Um and we get into some comments from Eiserman's press conference that came out a few hours before we started here. Um, but the Red Wings played Edmonton uh, last Tuesday, so a week ago. Uh, 7-5 loss, which is, again, just on just on par for the Red Wings season this year. Um, there were some positives, though. Uh, Levy made his debut, and then uh, Tara Hirose also played. So that was cool. Uh, but, yeah, Thomas Grice got yanked five minutes into the game five i think that's when i knew thomas christ wasn't moving at the deadline right there yeah it's literally just been a summary of goaltending the before these last two games it had just been terrible it's a battle between ned and grice to see who can get pulled the earliest each game and uh grice took the cake on this one (laughs) do you think they have a running bet yeah, they had. It seemed like they had a running bet until that game against Vancouver. But like, it's it's like, like our it's like our bet the over under with Wit how many games he'd play. But it's like how many times he can get pulled in the season. I, I lost a lot of money on that bet. Well, I mean, he still has he still has four more games to play. It was for the was it for the Red Wings or just in it general? Was NHL we said in general. We didn't we didn't classify. Okay. It was just uh, don't worry, game. don't worry. Fugue asked about it. He asked how many games it was because he's he's invested into the bet. Oh god! He texted me as soon as the, the trade went down. They saw Witkowski was included. Oh my I, god! I literally thought I'd never hear from Andy again. <laughs> You're lucky. I, I had I had some deep thoughts. Let's say <laughs> A- Andy literally didn't text for three hours after the trade went through. I was in a car, so. <laughs> Yeah, sobbing. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I was I was driving back from Sudbury, but yeah. <laughs> it's funny because the last podcast, Andy came on with the biggest smile because Luke Wikowski just played his first game of the season, and now we we're given his obituary because he didn't he's traded. <laughs> yeah. Please come to my funeral uh, April one, please, boys. And and we got snubbed because we didn't get Jordan Cairo back for uh well that's winter. what I'm saying. Is like how valuable is Wikowski? We got a second round pick for him. That's true. It's true. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. And Letty, Letty was just a cap dumb. Yeah. yeah Thank you, St. Louis. He's dog. We gotta stop talking. We gotta stop talking on the trade and save it for later. Oh my god. We gotta talk about this game. Um, but yeah, three goals in a matter of five minutes, and it was it was so silly. Um, but yeah, don't worry. Edmonton's not very good defensively, so we had some goals. Uh I thought Raymond had a really nice game and he ended up scoring uh, the tying goal, made it 5 5. But um, what are you guys th- thoughts on Ulevi's uh, debut, Grant? Uh, it was it was all right. Uh, there's some parts in this game that I'm 
not in love with. There's also some parts I do like. I think he's really eager to shoot the puck, which is kind of nice. Creates a lot of traffic and havoc in front of the net. It's my main thing with Hironic right now. My biggest pick with him is he has such a nice shot and he's so scared to take a shot from the point and he just sits and waits for opportunities. And you levy is not hesitant when there's traffic in front, he throws it on net and they almost scored a couple times since he's started playing. Uh, so I really like that. I, he's really, really slow on his feet, like very, very slow, which I hate. I hate slow defensemen. Uh, I think he has a pretty decent brain though, which can make up for slow feet. So yeah. there's a, a lot to unpackage with him just coming in and getting a, trying to get a role and win a spot. But I, I think he's interesting. No, definitely. I, I agree with that. And uh, uh, out of this game as well, we had uh, our elite number one defenseman, Mark Stahl. Will the boys back in, back into this game. Uh, two basically identical goals. Absolute BBs from the point. Yeah. I love that man. I love that man. Probably three of the best players in the league right now playing in this game. Yep. Uh, in Edmonton. Mark Stahl, uh, Sam Gagne had an eight-point night. When he played for Edmonton, and then probably Connor McDavid would be third on that list. Yeah, he's third. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. Some no, elite thought, players. It's just so like I don't know. Mark Stahl, like sometimes like he goes all out on the offense, and it's just so funny to watch because he's actually effective. But like he looks like a, you know, like the used car car lots with like the blow up, uh, the blow up things. The arms are flailing everywhere. I feel like that's Mark Stahl in the offensive zone. He is so good at holding pucks on the line and keeping pucks in the zone, and I love that. Usually when he gets more involved offensively, though, he has a terrible game defensively. So there's really no in-between for the guy. I think it's yeah. really fun when he does get involved, though. A 1,001 games, he got a two-goal game finally. So there we go. He's on pace good for quite us. a bit of goals in his next 1,000 games. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's on pace. Um, <laughs> also, Sam, if there's you know there's three certainties in life: death, taxes, and Sam Gagne scoring a shitty goal. Yeah. <laughs> like that was so bad. Wasn't this his game to pass his dad in games all time too? Yep. Yeah, which is pretty was it, cool. Was it pass or tie? I thought it was one of the two. I think it was pass. Pass. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's cool that he scored in that game to, and especially against his old team. Good for I him. agree. And then also we had a Philip Zadina goal as well, which is always a bonus. And I think finally he's getting rewarded. Um, really nice shot on a really weird, when you have a good bumper player like Tara Hirose, actually giving the puck oh to God. the side. Don't Ridiculous. even get me started about Tara Hirose. Like, come on, like, how long? Like, and then he, okay, we'll get into the Seattle game too, but I want to talk about that. But uh, yeah, finally a confident bumper. And he gives it over to Zadina who wires it really nice shot too it was per- it was perfect i i was pumped okay and- to, to stem off that a little bit though i do think fabry's a competent bumper player but he's not on that second unit i think that's mm-hmm. what you're alluding to mm-hmm. no i think fabry's a good bumper he's just not. i think fabry's a good bumper the best, shooter he doesn't have the best brain to move pucks there we go they usually don't use him unless they're feeding him to shoot the puck where Hiroshi right. can be used to make quick passes because Hiroshi's a good playmaker. 
or Fabry's kind of a little bit brain dead sometimes. Yeah, Hiroshi. Hiroshi ended up having two assists in this game. And the issue with Hiroshi is he he is not fast. He's not big. But, man, is he so smart. He He's a player that I feel like if he would have had the chance at a younger age with a really good developmental coach, mm-hmm. player development coach, if they would have sat down with him and made him watch Matt Zuccarello tape, he could be a, a, such a different player right now. To be able to use your slow – Slow player, or not a slow player, but not a fast. He's not player. fast. I'm, I'm not saying he's slow. He's, he's not fast for being he's, so small. He's not a fast player in a small body. But if you watch Matt Zuccarello, he makes it work like crazy. And they play similar playmaking first play styles. Hiroshi can be really effective sometimes, but I just don't think he had that player development. Yeah, put no. into him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this game kind of like when Ned got put in, Ned was Ned played strong when he got thrown in this game. Also, when your conference uh, confidence is so shot, like there's really no expectations that game. You're down three nothing. Like I feel like he wasn't in his head, which is really good. Um, but yeah, Evander came came down and Ulevi made a really big block, and then King got the rebound. It was a point blank chance at Ned, which is kind of hard to blame Ned. And also, you can't really blame the defense because Ulevi made the block and usually. Nine times out of ten, that's not going back to the shooter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Raymond obviously ties it, but then to win the game, uh, really weird goal from Warren Fogle. The puck on net, and then it goes off Mark, Stahl, Mark Stahl's skate uh, and, and then through Ned's skates, which is just unfortunate. Yeah. And I felt – yeah. And then obviously Evander King gets the empty netter. It's end, end of the game. But, um, yeah, I thought – it's a good comeback effort, but again, that first period, I, I still go back to Jeff Blasio. And I, 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 there's a quick throwaway comment from Meisman that I want to touch on too from his press conference. But I don't really, I don't care about wins and losses. I at this point in the season, I just want progress from young players, and and not an effort like that. I don't want to see a team. I don't want to see my team get blown out three nothing five minutes into the game. It's pathetic. I shouldn't have to watch that. I pay money to watch that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, there's there comes a point where – no, it's not there comes a point because they weren't giving up seven goals every game last year. No. And they had a, they had a lot worse of a team. Yeah. You, you shouldn't – your team shouldn't be giving up this many goals against with a competent team. I, I would argue that they're competent. They have enough competent players that they shouldn't be giving up seven goals a game. And sure, you can say it comes from the locker room, but I really – don't know that it it starts from the coaching staff down mm-hmm. i agree and there's an issue there that i think needs to be changed and i love his comments like after the fabry injuries like well joe valeno michael rasmussen and philip sedina are gonna be in more opportunity philip sedina played 12 minutes this game the only jump Giovanni smith played more minutes than him i think the only player that played less than him on offense was tara rossi yeah like I don't get what Philip Zadina is not doing. I knew at the beginning of the season I agreed with his decision, but now it's just uh, to me it's ridiculous. I did the math the past uh, was it four games now that Fabry's been out and moving forward. Zadina is averaging only a little over thirteen minutes a night. Yeah, and I think this is some of the best hockey that Zadina's played of late. Yes, this, this year. Yeah, it's more more like himself of last year, where he's playing good defense. He's just not converting on chances. Yeah, this is falling back in that situation where we talked touched on 
was it last episode, couple last couple episodes anyways, where Blashill's not <clears throat> giving his young guys the ice time. That, like especially this is the time of year you start playing because we're out of playoff contention. We have guys down down and out, out of the lineup. Those young guys should be playing in different situations to see what we can get out of them. And we're not seeing that. Obviously, 13 minutes a night for Zadina. That's not not nearly enough to see what you can get from them. No, no. Especially when you said, like, Giovanni Smith's playing more than him. And he averages eight minutes a night on, on, on like, a a high night, probably nine minutes a night. Yeah. You know, that's that's not a good sign. That's not a good look. No, it's not. Um... Yeah, so that was that game. Uh, Raymond also passed Larkin's rookie totals in that game, which I mean was wasn't a shocker. It was like he was on pace to do it, but it's still kind of significant in my eyes. It's it's pretty sweet. It was the highest in I don't remember the years, but it's been a it's been a long time. Um, but yeah, also we, after this game, we had uh, some good news after a bad game. Uh, Cross Hannah signing his ELC, which I know is is not you know huge news, but also. Cross Hannes has had a great season so far. Yeah, and uh, I I really like the way he has bounced back from last season. I know with the pandemic, he kind of had a a weird stretch there where he had to adapt to the USHL game rather than he was used to playing solid in the dub. So he went to the USHL and struggled pretty heavily. And then he came back to the WHL and he struggled again at the start of the year and he's really bounced back. I don't know what you have to say about that, but I I think lately his production has been speaking for itself. Yeah. I was just pulling up his stats right now. Uh, 55 games, uh, 23 goals, 51 assists, 74 points. And that, that had to do also, he wasn't even a point per game at the start of the year. He had a really slow start to the year, so that should be noted too. What did he have last year in the USHL? It was horrible. Uh, Sixteen yeah. points, three goals only in twenty-seven games. Yeah, he struggled who did he big play, time. Who did he play with in the USHL? Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln. and right. now he was a second-round pick. So I mean, those totals are not good in the USHL for a second-round pick. In my no, eyes. they're not. No, um, a very skilled forward. Yeah, for the ability for him to bounce back and have this productive of season, and now he's going to go into Grand Rapids most likely next year and be well, hopefully an impact player for Grand Rapids. I, I love seeing guys fight through adversity, and I think having to league switch and play a different style of hockey. And then he came to uh, the prospect tournament for Detroit, and I thought he actually looked very well. He was playing on a line with uh, Tatayev and Pearson, and I thought that line was great. And uh, he looked the part that we thought he could be. And after that, he had a rough stretch there in the first part of the season this year for uh, Portland. And now he's been on fire. He's been one of the best players in the WHL. One of the hottest, yes. Yeah. Um, that could, that could but, have been something to do with it, though, because like going to WHL, the USHL, it's different like style of play. So where he's more in the WHL, he is more like free to make plays where the USHL is more, like I said, like adapted to the college level. Like all those kids are going to go play college hockey where it's, you don't have freedom to make mistakes because it's going to end up in the back of your net. 
where CHL hockey, you can make those mistakes and whatever. And like, there's, it's more structured in the sense of like systems where there's guys more covering you, where if you make a mistake, typically someone will help you like, you know, cover up like a mistake or whatever. Right. Where USHL is more like college hockey, where it's a little bit more run and gun Mm -hmm. in a sense. So yeah. that could have been that could have been just this this different styles could have affected it. But he also, like Grant said, it's good for him to as a learning curve for him because there's going to be different style changes when he makes it to the AHL, and eventually if he goes to the NHL, the NHL is going to be different too, right? So exactly because you see a guy get in his own head, and you really hope at a young age that he's able to get out of that funk pretty quickly. Yeah. And it seemed like he snapped that pretty quick at the start of this year, and that's just something. <laughs> you love to see in a prospect and makes them stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also curious as well. If uh, actually with the AHL playoffs, I wonder if he gets called up for the AHL playoffs. I would love that. I don't know where they would see that. I know. I don't know. Would that ultimately be Horkoff and Iserman to decide that? We, I, yeah. I think it'd be Horkoff's decision mostly. I was just thinking with Grand Rapids, they've had just such a lack of like some nights they have no talent, like they have no talent because I don't know. It's kind of a rebuilt, like a retooling year for the Grand Rapids. Like we have some prospects that are in there, but a bunch of like, you know, AHL guys. And I, I wondered maybe if they want to give them that experience. I don't know how, um, how far they'll go in the WHL playoffs. So, I mean, ultimately that, that depends as well when it cuts in. Yeah, but I know, I know like Bertuzzi, when he was in the OHL, he jumped in early and played in the AHL his contract's not till next year though so they'd have to sign him to a, an amateur tryout correct oh it's not till next year right or is it this year I think it, I think it starts next year does it not it might um also like with that it doesn't really matter because they can slide it because technically he hasn't played any games like Albert Johansson signed his entry-level contract like two years ago but technically still has three years on it because but to play in the AHL you'd have to sign an amateur yes tryout, pretty yes sure. that's what I mean so okay you have to sign right. to an amateur tryout okay right gotcha yeah probably um either way yes, like, his, pot- his contract starts next year okay all right so maybe maybe they do sign him in ATL which happens mm-hmm. I know Larkin I think Larkin did that as well uh, coming out of college, it just happened to someone. I can't think of who it was. It's like this year. Uh, that's gonna bother me, but whatever. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, we go into Vancouver and the return of uh, Ole Ulevi and Troy Setcher to this game, and we got some news on the trade front. Uh, coming into this game, Nick Letty was held out for you know management reasons, which we we all knew what that meant. And uh, also Troy Stetcher rumor that came out on Vancouver radio that he talked to the play-by-play guy. And I guess him and Steve Eisman had a conversation saying he was most likely going to be traded, which I do like them. Like, I do like the move by Steve to be like, Hey, like, listen, this is what's going on and keep him in the loop. And I still, I thought Troy Stetcher, he played two, two solid games and didn't let, let him, let him be bothered by it. I thought, well, aside from one play, but I, I also wonder if the whole Stetcher playing more recently over Lindstrom was more so to get teams' eyes on them, which I don't know if they were hoping to get more than a seventh out of that, but we'll get it. Yeah, we'll get into it. Um, but yeah, this was a textbook goaltending battle this game. I actually, after a bunch of Red Wing games that were high scoring and not good defensively, I actually kind of enjoyed watching this game. I don't know if I was alone in that. I was mad. 
You remember I do. I had the over again. I've, I've been right. Oh my god! I have a funny. I have a funny. I told. I told Fugue to hammer the over. I said it's the biggest guarantee in your life. <laughs> he was so pissed at me because <laughs> I told him I'm like Red Wings defense sucks. Vancouver can score. I didn't know Thatcher Demko was gonna play. Here's a, here's a fun fact for you. This going into this game. Here's a little uh, gambling info. Vancouver was nine for ten on their last overs, even with Demko in the net. Red Wings were seven for ten on their last overs. So pretty close to a guarantee. The the, the odds of that game going over, especially with the way the Red Wings defense had been and the way Vancouver had been scoring, and Demko hadn't been like saving everything. I, I was I almost guaranteed it, that game. You're at an eighty percent chance there. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's that's in the favor for sure. To hit the hit the over and yeah this game ends up being one nothing um awesome game by ned i thought he looked so comfortable dialed in for how low scoring this game was this is probably one of the more exciting games in the last month or so i thought this was a super fast-paced game and both goalies were fabulous i love thatcher he's an elite goalie i love Thatcher. he's one of the best in the league he was outstanding. And even the goal he got beaten on. Pew Suter was trying to pass it across to Nemesnikov, and it went off his it went off Quinn Hughes's stick and it went between his legs. It's just a bad bounce. Yep. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, really, I was so happy for Ned. I, I really do think that Edmonton game where he came in in relief, I thought that helped him for this game, to be honest. Maybe. I, I don't think much into that game because ultimately he they lost that game, and I don't love one of the goals that went in. So I don't quite agree with you there. I think he just completely would have said Chet it and get a new mindset going into the next game. I hope so. Um, either way, uh, I the pairing of Horonic and Ulevi this game, granted, Ulevi had two pretty blatant turnovers that didn't result in a goal against, but after the first period, I thought that uh, that pairing was really good. Uh, Heronic's been great. I know. I and I, I sent you guys the um, the game scorecards, and you love you. I think was second on the team on it, but I really did think Heronic was the one carrying the load there. I I thought Heronic played an awesome game. Heronic's been fabulous of late, and yes, I, I want to know what's happened there. What's the little change that has gone on? But I've loved his game on all aspects. He's looks, listening to us rip into him lately. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. We yeah. got to get going. He looks so confident moving the puck throughout the defensive zone and the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Um, we also had a six-shot period by Giovanni Smith in the first. Insane. I t- yeah, Andy Andy was like, yeah, what well, well, was good the first period? And I'm like, well, Giovanni Smith had six shots. He's like, no, he didn't. I'm like, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> and but, yeah, he that, went, on to, went on to lead the team in shots that night. And it all happened in the first. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> unreal. No, but I, I really like they put together the line of Suter, Zadina, and Smith. And for some reason it worked. I thought that line played great. I mean, Giovanni Smith had a really good game. Aside from the shots, I thought he was moving his feet good, getting pucks in and forechecking, which is his bread and butter. We've seen that a few last few games out of him, though, that he's played. Um, which game was it last week? Or I guess two weeks ago, maybe, where um, he was like uh, out there flying around. I was like, who is this guy? Was it Calgary? Might have been. Yeah, his, first, his second game back, right, from being scratched for a while. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. First. first I just remember the Calgary game. 
I remember yeah. the Calgary game. He, he being he, he was one of the only good players for Detroit that game. Right, where he was out there like, and he like again looked fast when he was skating. Was like, Holy cow, who is this? It's Canadian Who's ice. Who's this Fiola? Yeah. Canadian, Canadian ice. ice. Yeah. Gets the feet a little, fast. A little more. A little it's like granite's granite's like playing at the D. D. <laughs> oh my god. There, I I yeah, I was explaining to Emma like what the difference between like hard ice and soft ice is. Like, because obviously it sounds ridiculous when like you're explaining it to someone, but the the D is legitimately the fastest ice I've ever played on. Nah. It's unbelievable. Where? Nagani Ice Arena, baby. Really? You think so? No, but that they have but some hard the, ice. What's there. about the Coliseum uh, in Calumet? That's, that had some hard. That had some. That's that's. Some yeah, all the Kuna, all the Kuna rinks have it. Yeah, even Hoko. Um, Verga. Verga. <laughs> Lance. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a good team effort. I thought. Yeah, Larkin. There was a, a situation in the front of the net where he gets pushed from behind by Horvat, and then um, who Travis Hamonic, I think it was, that stepped on the back of his leg. Total accident, but like I saw people online calling Larkin like a flopper, which he got pushed from behind where he can't see the guy. Like, I don't know, that's not a flop. Yeah, and I feel like getting scissored in the back of the leg isn't the best feeling. No. Whether you get cut bad or not, it's not gonna feel good right away. Well, yeah, it's full on someone's weight with like something thin stepping on. It's a lot of pressure it focused on one little thing yeah. onto your leg. It's gonna hurt. It's it, not like it, someone's shoe stepping on it, which is a completely different feeling. It, it depends, like, where you're at in the game and how much adrenaline's going through you. Because I remember I've been stepped on. I didn't feel a thing. I don't know if you remember that, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get stepped on. You don't feel anything because adrenaline's running through. But there's a time and point where you don't have all that going through at the end of a play or something. Mm-hmm. And you get stepped on by the slightest. And you're like, oh, my gosh. That's, yeah, it's weird because I remember um, it was a few years back. One of the guys I know who lines in the OHL, he was set up the net for the Hounds, and Wyatt Volato was the goalie then for the Hounds. And he was like doing some stretches and stuff. It was just how like he was like checking the net where the linesman was, and just how Volato stretched out, the linesman stepped on the back of his leg mm. and cut him. And like he obviously he was out for like a month because like it was right by his Achilles and everything like that. Oh, Which, yeah. It's it's different because it's well actually no on your shin pads you don't have that much protection that low, but your skates come up a little bit higher. You have a tenon guard. Yeah. But uh, but it went to like the extent where like Volta had to change like gear. He had to switch. They like uh, LA called him and said so you have to switch brands you use and everything like that to have that protection there. And then wow. the linesman. The linesman, he's buddies with one of the guys I work with as well. Um, and my my buddy refs with him like local hockey, like local hockey, and he was talking about it. He goes, he I felt like the biggest bag of shit like afterwards. Like he's like, a fluke so thing. Yeah, it's a total yeah, fluke thing. The but, thing. It was like yeah. literally right before puck drop, like when the refs come out. So uh, it's kind of like I mean, where he got where Larkin got stepped on, I guess it was more protection than what Volato had had, but it's still kind of scary no matter what. It's a blade everyone's weight yeah. somebody's weight coming on the back of your leg where it's not the thickest skin there either right yeah uh but no i was yeah i was pretty happy with that game and i stayed up for the whole thing it was a late one and i was pleased i did too because i mean obviously i and a one nothing game doesn't sound super exciting but i, I it was more maybe it's more so a relief to see not the red wings defense get caved um but yeah we go into saturday 
I was out and about. I went to the uh, Hockey East uh, final. It was uh, UMass versus UConn. So I got to see Chase Bradley. And he's actually playing top six minutes. I thought he looked pretty well for a seventh round pick. He's playing quite a bit of some big minutes. I was I was pleased with him. It was a 2-1 final. Uh, UMass, uh, Bobby Trigvino, the Hockey East um, MVP, two years in a row now. He was on he was had a good game yeah it was yeah it was fun though good uh i was surprised how many people were actually at td garden because both schools are like two hours away from boston so i mean i was kind of hoping northeastern would be there because it'd be a little more packed but no it was nice um kind of cruddy weather was raining and stuff and we were walk we walked to td garden from a little ways away so it was like a 15 minute walk so it wasn't that fun but um yeah good stuff it was fun that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, get back to this. Um, Seattle. So I, I, I caught – I walked in um, – actually, no, funny story before we start the game. So the game started, and I was getting back to the – I just got off the train, and I'm on a random street corner in Boston, okay? And I look to my right, and it's this dude wearing a Red Wing sweatshirt. And I said, and I, I like, I'm like, what? And I like, I like say to him, I'm like, Hey, nice sweatshirt. And he's like, thanks. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, they're playing right now. He's like, Oh really? I didn't know. And he like looks at the, sh- and I tell him like, yeah, they're getting out shot nine, nothing right now. And he's, he looks at me, he's like, they fucking suck. And <laughs> just turned around. I lost it. It was so funny. Oh my uh, God. But yeah, like just a random, like two dude, like it was him and his brother. They're from Michigan and like, randomly i run into them in a random street corner in boston now i was nowhere near td garden at this point which is pretty funny yeah that's pretty funny um so yeah i missed the first period but i i walked in right as dylan larkin set up joe valeno which oh what a what a play uh dylan larkin coming out of the box and then finding joe valeno at the backhand pass it was really nice real nice um and then right afterwards, we had a uh, Taro Hirose goal. Again, Taro Hirose for bumper. Please keep him there. Uh, competent puck movement leads to Taro Hirose bearing a rebound. Who would have thought? Not Who me. would have thought? Not me. His first goal since 2019, which is kind of funny. But, I mean, he also hasn't played that many games. But, yeah. I thought, yeah, Burt also had a really nice redirect to lead to that rebound. Um but then the game kind of goes sideways. Uh, Seattle decides they're going to show up. Adam Larson scores through Ned. I didn't really love that goal. I thought he tucked it at first. I thought he, like, stick-handled around Ned and tucked it into the empty net. And I was like, wow, Adam Larson. That's the sickest uh, goal I've ever seen in my life. I'd like to back Ned on this one. Okay. I understand how bad it looks, but you feel the puck is going to come one way, and Adam Larson completely whiffed on the shot. And so it rolled off his toe, and it was a terrible shot. And so instead of going right at his chest where the puck should have went, I know Ned should probably adjust that a little bit quicker, but mm-hmm. it's rolling off his toe, which is a terrible shot. And I, I'm usually pretty critical of Ned. So yeah, it's fair. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. I think that was a, that's a tough one as it's a guy that whiffs on a shot. And that was the only goal I, I really had against Ned. That was, I thought was kind of bad. Um, but yeah. Right afterwards we had, Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Zadina had a three on two, and Zadina just gets robbed, robbed on that one timer. I thought he was gonna score too. I was, I was pretty pumped. But that was such a good play. Yeah, it was really nice. It was clean. Grubauer made a really good save, which is surprising. Didn't know he was capable. 
Yeah, he's what's the third with, best German goal in the league. I was gonna say, what's up with German goal? He's absolutely sucking. Whoa. Back off Nico Dawes. I'm a Nico Dawes fan. That's oh, right. Nico Dawes. I thought he was Swiss, but yeah, you're right. He's German. It goes the rankings right now is Nico Dawes, Grice, then Grubauer. Yeah. Analytically, bad. Grice is better than Grubauer. They're the two worst goalies in the league, but Grice <laughs> <laughs> is better. I think Grice's goals goals saved above expected was like negative 14. It's so bad. We're down I think Grubar's is like 30. Oh, yeah, he's like 31. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like comically bad. Like Seattle would actually be a somewhat competent team if they had average goaltending. Uh, that's my so it's like very that they gave him such a fat contract and he was on a why would why would he not just take 1.5 or 1 million less to play for his Stanley Cup team? Makes no sense to me. He'd be carried by that team. Oh, but yeah, he would have a 915 and everyone would be like, hey, look how good <laughs> Philip Grubauer is. Vesna. Yeah, like he would. He was in the Vesna conversation last year. Yes, I don't know how, but plays for Stack. Because he had a good team in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, right. Yeah. So we get a. Um, who's, who scored? It was um, for Seattle. It was Jaden Schwartz, right? The goal afterwards. To make uh, to tie the game to to two two, yeah. Or did Gord have two? No, I think it was Schwartz. I think it was Schwartz. Um, but anyway, it was a weird pass off the glass, and the guy and Schwartz. Schwartz Schwartz got behind Stetcher, and not really a lot of time to react for Stetcher, and then it's a breakaway. So I, I don't really fault Ned on that. It was a nice little move backhand, but uh, yeah, I would I would yeah. Stetcher was pissed. He slammed his stick against the glass too. I was like, ooh. Okay, not happy about that. Um, yeah, and then Seattle ended up taking the lead and ended up winning off of a Yanni Gord pass to the front of the net that went off a skate, which, again, how do you blame anyone on that? Everyone was in perfect position. It was just an unlucky skate bounce. I guess it's just pucks on net, right? Tough one. It was, yeah, cider skate. I had the notes there. Yeah, I uh, was not too happy about that game. Terrible start again. And I think that was, yeah, again, another for Blaschel. It's a couple weeks now where it's just been awful start after awful start. Besides the Vancouver game. Vancouver game was good. Well, to get more relevant news, should we uh, start breaking down the deadline? Yeah. Let's do it. So, Uh, someday. Well, first off, the most move I was most critical about just came back to bite me in the ass already. So I'd like to explain that. I'm sorry to Nick Delorier for trashing you a little bit too much about receiving a third round pick for that, but he just scored right away in the game against Vegas. (laughs) And then he sallied super hard. Minnesota fans kind of went crazy. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I guess we'll stick on Nick. I want to say stick on Nick Delorier. You know, nothing to do with the Red Wings, but just quick his press conference. Did you see that clip? I did not. So they asked no. him about his skill set and what he brings oh, to the yeah, team, yeah. and he's like, he's like, what skill set? <laughs> that was his answer. It was just that really like so, good yeah. way to like endear yourself to the fan base. I thought that was cool. He's obviously a pretty beloved guy. Obviously, a third round pick is an overpayment, but again, tough guy character. That's cool. How do you? To kind of bash myself for saying that it was an overpayment too. How do you value size, toughness, and character though? Yeah, I'm, not really valuing th- it. I'm not valuing it a third round pick. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you really think 
he's going to bolster your penalty kill and fourth line. I mean, I, I watch Nick Deloria and I think nothing great. I mean, he's he, I the times they've played the Red Wings this year, I haven't watched Anaheim a whole lot, but he was very, very good on the penalty kill where he had the Red Wings pinned a couple times. And it really surprised me. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, how is he doing this? Because he does not look appealing to the eye at all. No. Um, it was just a yeah. pickup for uh, – oh, it was just a pickup to replace Felino when he's suspended for 25 games after another knee. True. I, I love Minnesota's deadline. Let's, talk, okay, let's let's hold off on Minnesota. I want to like we can go on a league wide like what our favorite moves were, stuff like that after we break down the Red Wings stuff, because I, I do want to talk about some things. I have some thoughts, okay. but um, let's go for so for for Sunday, uh, we alluded to it, but uh, Troy Stetcher to L.A. for a 2022 seventh. Um, I think this is fair value in the sense of what Troy Stetcher's situation was. I'm not thrilled about the return, but also Eisner, I think, did the best with what he could. He was not going to get anything better than a seventh. And I want to mention that it is way better than letting him sit and become a free agent. I'd much rather get a seventh-round pick. He gives opportunity for more guys to hop into the lineup defensively. And also with that, it should be mentioned that a seventh round pick isn't just a seventh round pick. That is an asset that you can use at the draft or in any situation you can pop up picks with that. Let's say a team like that does not have very many picks and there's a player you really like in the second round or something. And you want to jump up in the second round and trade your second round for theirs. And you Mm -hmm. to jump up like six picks or whatever. You give up what a fourth and a seventh. Yeah, basically, yeah. We're kind of spit on, but yeah, be basically that. So I, I think it's just more than that. And then you get the player you really want. So seventh is a really good asset to have. And that's kind of how I viewed Red uh, Eisman's trade deadline as a whole. More so, I viewed him as not picks, but assets. And we'll get in the conversation of why I think that a little bit. But um, yeah, I thought it was – I think it's a really good bet for LA. Um, for – even when Stetcher was healthy, it seemed like he was the seventh option for Blaschel for whatever reason. I do think he's a good defenseman. I think he's a serviceable bottom pair defenseman. And with LA's injuries and um, the style they play, I think Stetcher actually fits in very well to LA's defensive structure. Like, I think he's going to thrive. Like, he's played in two markets where it's Vancouver and Detroit, where it's kind of like more uh, kind of just fl- high flying offense a little bit more recently with Detroit, I would say, but Vancouver's kind of played that high octane, kind of leaving the defenseman out to dry a little bit. Where LA's very structured, will play three, two games consistently. I think that's what fits Troy Stetcher's style a little bit more. So I do like that for LA. He also brings a little bit more speed to their back end for like at least puck retrievals and stuff. Like obviously the offensive game in Stetcher is not there. He can chip in here and there, but he's a defensive defenseman, but they don't have a whole lot of fast skating defensemen, in my opinion, that will go back and retrieve those pucks that Stetcher does do quite often and very well, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So, I mean, overall, go ahead. For right now, too, honestly, with having Roy and Doughty out, I mean, honestly, Dursey and 
Jordan Spence have been their best right-handed defenseman the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Stetcher's going to help for the immediate in my eyes. Yep. So that's good to see for them. And I'm happy for him. I hope he I hope he does well. I do I do like Troy Stetcher a lot. I person. also very, very, really, really like Troy Stetcher. Yep. So I hope nothing but the best for him. Um, but uh, finish off – or not to finish off, second trade. Uh, earlier this afternoon, like it was probably about like an hour and a half before the deadline actually happened. Um, big trade. Nick Letty, Luke Witkowski to St. Louis for Oscar Sundquist, Jake Wallman in a second rounder in 2023. Um, so, so for the sake of, I think the Sunquist thing and is a bit of a cap dump a little bit. So Nick Letty's retained salary from Detroit well, to 2.75 Oscar Sunquist is 2.75. So it evens out the cap right there. Um, but yeah, I do like the trade. I think this is Eisman's best trade. This was a good trade. The 2023 draft is supposedly supposed to be pretty deep into the second round. Um, and Nick Letty was not playing to the level of a second round pick all season for the most part. Well, that's pretty much wrong. It's Luke Wachowski and Nick Letty, first of all. Right. Nick, Luke Wachowski was playing up to the level for a second round pick. Nick Letty was a cap dump. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Sunquist only came over because Stetcher left so he can wear 70 when he comes to Detroit. Exactly. Yeah, it was classy. It was a classy move yeah. by Iceman. Yeah, that's that's what that's how it happened there. Um, but yeah, I, I knew this trade was good when I looked on Twitter, and all St. Louis fans are get like questioning why they made the move. That's when I know it's a good move when the opposing fan base is like, "I don't like that," and I'm like, "Ah, that means I should like that then." And you do some more digging. Um, Sunquist, I think Sunquist is a serviceable bottom bottom six guy i don't think he's like super exciting or anything but i think you're you're uh cutting sunquist a little hard here okay i i am a i hate the blues this year i think they're terrible to watch so i haven't seen wallman a whole lot uh but sunquist on that playoff run he was a kind of a monster for them on that fourth line and i think he has a lot more upside then it meets the eye. I know he's battled injury quite a bit recently. That's what I was going to point out. But he's got a pretty big body, and he positions himself really well, defensively and offensively. And for a hole that I I know the reason he was in the trade is because they had to get rid of some cap. But I think Iserman actually did see something there. We don't have many right-handed shots, and with a penalty kill that has been very, very struggling – I think he can help in that area quite a bit. And plus with, I think Sam Gagne will not resign next year, having Sunquist as a right-hander and on the penalty kill next year and Sam Gagne's role is helpful. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to point that out because Eisman in his press conference, like when asked about Sunquist, likes his size, he's six three two twenty. He's a big boy. Um, can play center and wing, but he's mostly played wing. So I think that's ultimately where he finds, but like, yeah, I think the Sam Gagne, unfortunately, I think Sam Gagne is not resigning Detroit next year. I don't think, that, I don't think there's room for him now. There's no room. I would also look to like also replace again, Adam Ernie. Like, I don't think Adam Ernie's going to come back either. I think the purposes. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit more after we go into the, the other, okay. the whole trade situation, we can touch on the roster, yeah, yeah. but yeah. 
Um, but to get into Jake Wallman, though, Eisman seemed actually pretty excited about Wallman, which I was really surprised about. I never really, like, I, I knew he was a player. I didn't really think much of him. But um, I guess Eisman said he's been, like, scouting Wallman since he was in Tampa when he played for Providence. And he also talked about, he talked with Doug Armstrong about a possible, possibility of a trade with Wallman earlier this season, which I thought was really interesting. Did he say Wallman specifically, or did he just? Say I, he was talking. Was... He was asked about Wallman, and that's what he said in specifics. He is. He said Wallman's name came up when talking with Armstrong earlier this season about a move. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, Jake Wallman, very positive impacts um, through minimal games. He's played thirty-two games a series, six points, uh, three goals, three assists. He's played. I think he's averaging like twelve minutes a night. Depth defenseman. Um, but what I see, he's a, he's a hard shot. He's a pretty big boy, left-handed shot, and he mentioned that Walman and Ulevi almost like a tryout for the rest of the year. I kind of view that as like he's going to choose one or the other to be re-signed. I don't know if I'm reading way too much into that, but I think – I think you're reading too much into it because if they did end up both playing well, they would both be re-signed in yeah. my eyes. They're both RFAs, so mm-hmm. very, very controllable in my yeah. eyes. Especially if both making 750, I don't think they would get much of a payday. No, they wouldn't. I'm just saying more so for a roster spot because you have to worry about Osterley just in if you bring back Mark Stahl, let's say, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that you're not gonna roll your three left-sided defensemen as you levy Osterley and Wallman. There's that's what, gonna I'm, be, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why I that's why I thought it's more of a choice between the two. That's why it's kind of like a tryout, I think. And I see it as of that too, but if they both play well. Yeah, like that that eliminates Mark Stahl in my eyes. Maybe, yeah, I know, and I and, yeah, and you look for another defenseman that can be very game changer like, and that's mm-hmm. Edmondson. And also, yeah, with Nick Letty as well, Eisman mentioned that they were talking about a possible extension with him. I guess Letty wanted four years. Eisman was only willing to give three. I'm curious what that cap number would be. Um, the way Letty's played more recently, I think he's fine. Like he got used to the Detroit system. And I thought he was playing better the past couple of weeks in a, in for a team that was playing pretty bad. So maybe it was just in comparison to the rest of the team, but I, I don't know. I thought Letty was pretty good of late. And I would, I would have been, if it, if the number was like, let's say three and a half, four million for three years, I think I could have stomached that. I thought that would have been fine. I think I would have been more than okay with that. He, you know what you're getting and hopefully that'd be a fourth defenseman. In yeah. the me- in the meantime, because he's been playing, that's that was his issue at the start of the year. He, they were playing him as a first defenseman because yeah. we we don't have we didn't have a horse, and Hironic's been the horse the last couple of years, which can't be a thing either. And now you have Cider that is already the horse at twenty. But I think Letty will thrive in St. Louis. I truly do, and I think honestly, everyone's saying that it's a bad trade. I think it's better than they think. Yeah, I could be I completely do, wrong yeah. there. I do think Letty has value to St. Louis and half, half 50% retained. I don't, I don't think that's a bad deal, but also I do like this for Detroit a lot. I think a second round pick is extremely valuable and I'll get into like more of it uh, with a later conversation I want to have after this, but um, Jake Wallman, I think has a chance to be something. And I think Oscar Sundquist is serviceable and, will most likely be like a mainstay in the bottom six next year because he's got another year on his contract, which is relevant. He's just younger than uh, people think, too. I mean, he's only 27. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I thought he was going to be tw- – yeah, I was going to guess 28, but yeah, 27. Yeah, it's not bad. 
he, that's I not think a bad he's a 94. I think he's a 94, so he will be 28. Okay. Going yeah, next season or some point. And Wallman just turned 26, so he's, he must have been he's the same age as Larkin, basically. And yeah, he's a 96. All he's I a, see, I know he's it seems like Sunquist is a really funny guy, too. I know a lot of fans love him in St. Louis. Like mm-hmm. uh, there was that time that he was injured. I don't know if you remember that, but St. Louis like Twitter account would tweet at him like, "How many coffees are you deep?" And it'd be during like like one of the St. Louis games. He'd be like, "I'm <laughs> I'm five deep, going for six to the third period and stuff like that." So I That's don't funny. know. It seems like he's really funny stuff. So. Yeah. No. I'm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching those two play uh, down the stretch. I, I can clearly say that I do not know a whole lot about uh, Wallman. He's a national champion mm-hmm. with Providence. Other than that, uh, I the couple times I've watched him, I wasn't paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. So, And I can't stand watching St. Louis. I basically fall asleep during their games. They're a terrible team to watch. Yeah, besides of Cairo and Thomas. like they're Yeah. And, like, they don't do something. Some some games they're just that team is so flat. Mm, right. Um, David Perron doesn't do it for you. No, no. Uh, bring him back to Vegas. He'll do something for me. Yeah, it's yeah. just fun <laughs> in Vegas. And the trade I was like leasing, like I thought maybe we could get a little bit more for him, but uh, Vlad to Dallas for a 2024 fourth, which is just like a pick pretty far out. But I, um, the thing is with this one, I'm mixed on this one. Because he waited, it seemed like, till the last minute to make this deal. So he was trying to get the most he could. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there wasn't a market for him. So he got a fourth, and he had to retain half salary. So for oh, he retained retain- on it, too? I didn't know yes. that. I, oh, so yeah. a million. Or yeah. is that half a million? Yeah. Well, it was- I think it's like a million point zero zero five. Because I think he's making 2.1. Okay. Maybe. No, no, he's making two, I think. Okay. He, re- he retained a million. Um, yeah. So... Getting a fourth and retaining a million, I know that million doesn't hurt us at all, but it helps Dallas. Yes. So I would have liked to see a third round if we're going to do that, but you can't be beggars and choosers. If there's a fourth there and you know you're going to lose him to free agency or he's going to want too much money that you want to give. Yeah. Send him. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was kind of just meh on it. I Like the past two deadlines, Nemastikov's been traded. He's gotten a fourth round pick. So I mean, the the you know, the trend stays. So I'm not like upset about it. I'm just like I'm whelmed. Like I'm not overwhelmed. But I'm not underwhelmed. It's fine. Back with Glennie. Back with Glennie. That's right. Um, yeah, just what Dallas needs: more defensive forwards. <laughs> just loading up. Yeah, um, he's gonna butt there. He's gonna be. He's gonna score twenty goals in the next twenty-two games or how many games they have left. <laughs> Maybe yeah, him, and, him and him and Radulov. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Radulov not moving. That's really weird to me. But that is weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I thought maybe there was going to be more with Detroit. I mean, Ty Rattuzzi's name was floating around. And I know we – I mean, I kind of forgot to bring this up, but when he met the team back in Seattle, he did say that none of those were true, and he was fully committed on staying with Detroit. And it seems like him and Eisman have an understanding because Eisman did not move Ty Rattuzzi. Uh, I know Eisman said there was nothing really substantial with any players with term because there was a question about that in his press conference. So, um, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi stays. And he did mention that him and Larkin, he's going to try to sign them to extensions as soon as July, July 1st happens. 
um, because that's what he you said within the next eighteen months. Yes, so which I would bag. assume very yeah yeah obviously well I mean that's Eisman but I think he'd rather get it done sooner than later like I think Eisman, I think I think Larkin at least is gonna be quick. Bertuzzi is gonna be a tough one. They've yeah, had troubles there. Yeah. It's it's and now Bertuzzi's had such a good year has had such a good year that I mean I feel like if you give him term where my head's at if you give him term I think he'll take less yeah I think so I think he wants term is what the problem is like a five six year deal yes yeah probably yeah I mean five at six and a half type well I'm scared to give him more than five to be quite frank with you because if his back did give out for some odd reason or that there's always that back issue in the back of my head but i think what's he going to be 28 next year or 27 next year no he's 27 right now he's gonna be he's gonna be 20 yeah he's gonna be 20 uh yeah be 20 28 when the contract expires yeah so yeah so you gotta be smart about that i know he's he's a real character guy too so if you front load his contract too, to where yep. he's making less at the end. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, but yeah, I, I, that move kind of is like, like I, I wanted to have the conversation about Bertuzzi. Cause I, at one point I was like, okay, like if it happens, it happens. Like, obviously I'm not rooting for it, but it makes sense. In the, if you're not going to like, his value is never going to be higher. The risk of injury when you re-sign him, it's probably gonna be coming at a high number and you've had problems in the past negotiating contracts with Bertuzzi. So with all those, you know, come down, you know, where we, where do we stand? So Bertuzzi, I think now Eisman needs to decide whether or not he wants to go full out for next season to try to compete, to get closer to the playoffs, if not make it to utilize Larkin and Bertuzzi's where they're their best. Because they only have like a couple more years where they're at their peak, and then they're going to start slowly declining. I don't know how fast it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that fast. I think they're going to be usable players, but they're going to be at their best for the next couple of seasons. So that's when you like that's when you want the Red Wings to be in the playoffs when they're at their best. Yep, they're at their best right now till probably their next three to four years. Yes, give or take. Yep. So you've got to quickly make up your mind here, and what what you're going to do because. To be quite honest with you, you are loaded with left-handed defenseman prospects, and I think that's a place you have to figure out where what you're going to bump one for and who you're going to try to grab. Because the 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 market, especially at the deadline for left-handed defensemen, was crazy. Yeah, way overpayments. So I don't know if that would continue with with high-touted left-handed defenseman prospects because we have. Three, three very big named ones in my eyes right now, and there's some other ones on the brink of being very highly touted too. But you have Edvinson, Wallinder, and Johansson, who I think are all very highly touted left-handed defensemen. And only it's not like all three of them are going to play for the Red Wings. Nope. So there's got to be a decision there. I and obviously, it's not going to be Edmondson, but no, nope. well, I guess who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But um, yeah, like I kind of, I kind of alluded it to, but like with the picks that I, I called the picks that Eisman got assets because not, I don't think that he's going to necessarily make those picks, especially now. So the Red Wings now have two, like an extra second round pick in each of the next drafts. 
They have one from Washington in the Mantha deal last year. And then now 2023, the extra from St. Louis. So that's two second round picks. You could throw at someone who's a pretty quality. You can get a quality player for two second round picks. Another thing I think of too, that's really important to look at is you have stability in the next couple drafts where you have these second round picks coming up. So, which makes it easier to move a second round pick for players at a deadline in the future. You literally have a second round, two second round picks in 2024, which I would, and 2024, don't they? No, no. Okay. Yeah, you're right. 2023, but that makes it easier to make a move for a better player and upgrade. And that's, yeah. That's where I kind of wanted to get into a little bit uh, is what the plan is with this, especially the forward core going further. You have so many questions there because of the amount of players that are under contract for next year. Do you want to get better or stay at the same? And I don't think you want to stay the same. You're going to have to have to figure out where you're going to upgrade and who you're going to move. Because I think the only player under not under contract next year on the forward group is Zadina and Gagne. And Zadina's an RFA. Stevens. And Stevens is an RFA as well. Yep. So literally you have 11 forwards if you count Stevens and Zadina, or 12 forwards, because Fabry's hurt right now. But he's yep. he should be back by the start. Yeah, I kind of view the, the biggest weakness right now is second line center, which is the – the most obvious you probably upgrade um, one of the winger spots too. I'm not sold on Fabry being a top, like he can be, I'm fine with it, but he's not like a, a guy who I'm super thrilled about being a top six winger. Zadina maybe can develop into it. Again, he's shown promise. And when he's played with skill guys, weird, he plays well. Um, I don't even think it's just that. I think, yeah, maybe a little bit, but I think so. I think because even when he was playing with, I think he's been his best when he's played with Fulano and Rass. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe that's a third line center, a third line spot. Maybe. So I come to question with Q Suter, like what's his future hold? Adam Ernie to me is just holding up a roster spot and needs to go. That depends um, how you look at that. I'm indifferent about Adam Ernie. Some games I'm like, holy man, he's good. And that's what we saw last year when he had a, line mates the same throughout the whole year. He played so well when he played with Hellman, Glendening, where mm-hmm. it was almost like they were holding him back. So he needs to be bumped up a line. But when you get bumped up a line, you play worse. Yeah. One thing I look for in this next coming, these next couple weeks, which won't happen because Blashill is so set for having him on the third line. I want to see a line of Stevens and Sunquist and Ernie. Yeah. I think that could be a really good fourth line. Yeah, I, I'd be game for that. And then I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's one I don't know. I then, really then you go then you go Valeno, Zadina, Rasmussen, possible third line, you kind of just experiment. Yeah, then it depends what you're doing though, because then you you'd have Gagne with Puse and Verano, which I would hate. Yeah. Forever. So yeah, that's one of my biggest gripes right now is Verano's line mates and Ice he time. needs he needs different approach there with Verona. Yeah, so I think all this is a huge. This is easily Steve Eisman's biggest summer as the Red Wings general manager. He didn't mention he was going to try to make some improvements in free agency. I look at the like depending how you like how the draft goes, lottery and whatnot. I'm not even going to try to guess that. 
with centers and stuff. And also whatever player you draft is going to be a couple of years out most likely. So it's not going to solve your second line center right away. So I'm either, curious. either way though, he's not going to just pick a center to pick a center. Like if there's one available, that's good, but there's a better, let's say uh, Slavkowski is there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Like there's no way you can pass up on that. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that either. I'm, I'm more so like, let's say like uh, Matt Savoy. Yeah. Pick Matt Savoy. Then he's still going to be like two years out. Yeah. So that's not helping you right now. So I'm curious if they go after like a Finney Trocheck to that extent, a um, couple other options, but um, that can be more so off. We need off season content so we can, we can theorize our dream free agent. Pickups. Yeah. But one uh, thing I, it's just think touch on with Bertuzzi and not trading him today. I wonder if he kept on to him to see what like he does for the rest of the year and stuff to see if he puts up a good number and to see if there's any interest in him around the draft. That's another good point because I think you can unload him at the draft and have more value because if he continues on a hot pace, which would be the dream for Iserman if he is planning to unload him. Right. He yep. keeps on a hot pace. And ends up with what sixty five points this year or something around there, roughly yeah. a point per game, roughly a point per game, and he's going to have a lot of interest, especially with the season being over and people not as worried about Canada and stuff. So I think there could be more of an interest there at the end of the season, and people and also be they get him for more. another year too, yes. like that. Because if, if Eisman doesn't ultimately have him in the plans, because he'll be 28 when the contract's over. And like we said, four or five years would be like <clears throat> the max length that we would give him, that we'd like to see him signed at. Mm. With a lot of like the back injury and stuff like that in the back of the mind. And if Eisman feels kind of the same where, you know, do we sell him off and get the most we can for him for the future? Because like, Garth, you said earlier on the live stream, like, which core are we building around? Are we building around, like, the older, like, I guess Bertuzzi would be the oldest of that core. He'd be 28. And then Larkin's in the middle, kind of. Or do we build around Raymond and Cider and our prospects? So if he decides to stay younger and hold it off for another year or two till when we get to real contention like real playoff contention like oh this is our year we can have a shot to make it into a wild card spot for the playoffs mm-hmm. and so maybe getting like another first round pick late first round pick or something like that for Bertuzzi because he is worth it in my opinion like if, if you're not going to get a roster player it's going to be a, a first round pick and something else maybe it's going to be for more Bertuzzi. than a first round pick uh, it's going to be quite a bit right yeah but like at least a first round pick in there as, as long as it's not going to be like couple roster players that are key players as well from the other team whoever decides to pick them up but that's my that's what i was wondering because obviously i don't want to see bertuzzi leave i love that guy but at the same time you do raise a good point garth and saying well what core are we going to build around and with that his history of his back injuries and just the way he plays like we said last week um he does play a rugged game, so other injuries can come apart, can come like up here, come up on him. So, do we try and keep him, or do we try and sell him off and get the most out of him for our future? Also, with go- going late, waiting till the draft, we get 
not only the buyers really, we, you have all 32 teams to trade with that yeah. might not be, um, you know, that we're may, maybe not looking to make a move. Um, cap is also, you have the 10% overage you can go in, in the summer and you can figure out stuff a lot, you know, you can take more time to do it, but ultimately I think this is a huge summer and I just want to see from Eisman, I just want to see a direction. Like it was cool the past couple of years to slowly have incremental development from players and like get a little bit better. But now right. it's time to like, it's almost like we took like half steps. You know what I mean? Now take I want, I want to take a leap. I want to take one or two steps. You know what I mean? Forward where we're either, I don't like I, realistically, like even if we didn't make the playoffs next year, probably we're not going to go far, but no. I want to be close to the end. And if not like just miss. Right. Right. And with, with the play of players like cider and Raymond, those half steps kind of turned into a full step because we weren't expecting them to be this good this early, mm-hmm. like right off the bat anyways. Right? right. And I mean, that's for this year, next year, they might have a sophomore slump, which happens a very, very often. They might have their struggles and stuff too, mm-hmm. but with knowing what they're like, no, seeing what their potential is so far this year, it almost turns into a step. So we want to see them take a leap type of deal. Like that's what I'd right. like to see as well. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be super. And again, with like the move with bringing in Sunquist and Wallman to keep the roster still competitive, like he didn't just sell guys off for draft picks. He still wants us to eat. And he also, like I meant, I'm, uh, we can talk about Blash in a second, but uh, yeah, he wanted, I think he wants this team to be competitive. So it kind of makes me think that like he's planning to gear up towards making those big, those big leaps. I think you have the pieces right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think I think he's more so going to that. But yeah, the press conference. He kind of he had a question from Helene St. James, which is kind of the first time that all year that he's been questioned by coaching about coaching, or there's been a question about coaching, which I appreciate because it's been an issue. And he called the past six weeks a huge disappointment. He did, and I really like that. And then so they talked about the of what Jeff Blaschel's future will be, and in all he, he he dodged the question, basically saying that. Um, he didn't find it appropriate right now to talk about it. And That's he'd have a discussion with, yeah, he'd basically have a discussion with Jeff about it, that, like about the team afterwards. So I does that with that wording does not sound good for Jeff Lashell. No, it's, I mean, as a GM, that's all, that's the, that's the answer you can give. You can't say yes or no. Like you can't say you're going to fire him at the end of the year. Cause then that's going to be a, a shit, shit storm right there. But, can't also promise to be like, oh yeah, no, he's gonna be sick around for a while because then you have, for me anyways, outrage from a fan, probably a lot of the fan base that we've seen on Twitter lately and stuff as well, mm-hmm. but also just false hope and uh, like the coach and also some maybe some of the players too, like yeah, you know, I I think possibly like maybe with a different coach, Nick Letty could have been utilized a little bit different, not bearing him as the number one defenseman, maybe he could have been a little bit better. I know it's, that's a hopeful thing, but like, and other players too, like we, like we said, Zadina 13 minutes at the last couple of games. Well, if he's been playing so well lately, which for the eye test, at least he has been. And then like Valeno throughout, throughout the whole year when he's actually gotten into the lineup and playing his 12 minutes, whatever he's been on the fourth line, third line, whatever. Well, he's been, pretty effective maybe not offensively but like just play wise keeping up and doing the right things well those players should be rewarded for that especially when they're development like 
in the de- developmental stages as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Also, it's, go ahead. I, I kind of got something too that I see a little bit of a different approach to. There is a way to balance both having a a two core system, Garth, as well. I know you're so you've been talking about you got to choose a, a core. You can have two different cores. Yeah, I should. I mean, I, I'm glad you bring that up because I, I should rephrase that in the sense of like you definitely can. But I, I'm more so like I, it's definitely more of a risk to push too early, right? Yes and no. I mean, if you go right now and you sign players that are going to make immediate impact or trade for players that are making immediate impact, and then you still have those prospects that are going to be coming in every other season or so, like guys like Soderblom, Edvinson, Wallinder, Johansson, you have all these guys built up already. You have Kosa in the future too that could be a starting goalie yet to see. And then you still have Nedeljkovic who's been starting and could be a very good goalie yet too. There's different approaches you can take. It's not just one or the other. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean, I didn't, I should have been more clear about that, but um, I'm just saying there needs to be more of a commitment then to right now then with giving up, not like a first round pick, but like giving up those second round picks to make this, to make this current core, the Larkins, Veranas, who are the, the faces of the core. I mean, obviously Raymond and Sider are, up there but they're not like the guys who are the older ones you know what i mean more guys that are gonna help by no means am i saying the rangers have done a good job because i don't think they have done a great job but that's kind of what they're doing right now right they have two cores essentially that they're Mm -hmm. building off of they have that huge prospect pool that they have um based around lafreniere and kako and now schneider's in the lineup fox which is the younger core and then you have panarin and zibanejad and then also, I guess Shisterkin's kind of in the middle of that. Yep. So, yeah. and they just they, added Andrew Kopp to today. Yes, mm-hmm. and so I think they are a very good comparison. I think the guy, the team I think of is LA. They made the yeah. move for Victor Arvidsson last year, and then they also signed Philip Deneau. That's yeah. another good comparison. That's the one I think of, where they they found two guys that are top six players, not like high end, high end, but. Top six players that compliment very well. And now look at LA. They're second in the Pacific. Yeah, they're they're in a crappy spot though with all their injuries, which sucks. But I I do agree that that one's pretty similar. I I think our prospect pool is better, but very comparable though. Very comparable. I think Anze Kopitar is still a stud. Yeah, so like you like again, like you you have they have their first line center and they needed that second line center because Byfield wasn't quite there yet. Yep. And you got Philip Deneau, who's gonna take a huge load off of the back of Anze Kopitar. So and then also with you know Victor Arvidsson, you also have Adrian Kempe. Um, yeah, they just have such a solid team. And I, I want Detroit to make a commitment then to move towards that with guys. You get a younger guy off the market like that. Yeah. Even like an Andre Pilat, maybe. Like he's a free agent. I think he'd be a guy that could help on a short term deal. As he's proven that. in Tampa. Yeah. He's proven on Tampa Bay that he's, he's a great player. Yeah. yeah. I love Pilat's game. Mm-hmm. I saw that so, multiple yeah. times. Yeah. So again, I mean, we'll do like a free agency episode closer to it and we can break down possible targets and 
what direction. And obviously there's a lot of these come in trades. Like I looked to the avalanche when they acquired Devin Tays for two seconds, stuff like that. Like, like obviously like finding, finding teams that are in tough salary cap situations and taking advantage of that while getting good young players. And Tampa Bay still might be an option this summer to, you know, pry off of them because you have Braden points extension kicking in. So, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they're in. So there's plenty of teams that you could look to the Islanders even when they try to make a quick retool. Um, Vancouver is still another team that's struggling with cap. Barzell, baby. <laughs> Barzell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's gonna be super exciting to watch Eisman work because this is where his work is gonna get the hardest, in my opinion. But uh, to kind of go on the dead the deadline as a whole today itself, the deadline Monday, pretty disappointing. It was like one of the biggest moves was Andrew Cop, and oh, Mar- I mean Mark Andre Fleury too. But yeah, um, that's the biggest one. Yeah, it's just yeah. Would which move over the, throughout the whole weekend? Did you guys think think of and were like, wow, that's gonna help them push put them over the edge? That's a tough question, to be honest with you. I one trade I really liked that kind of got swept under the rug, but I also kind of hated. There's different angles from this. I loved Montreal's haulback. I liked the Lekkonen trade to Colorado, but also I know Colorado pretty heavily here, giving up two of your best defensive prospects. Where if you would have made these trades in the offseason, you probably wouldn't have had to give these guys up. So putting everything into the trade deadline kind of can bite you in the ass. Like giving up Hellison and Barron is really tough in the same and, deadline. And they gave up uh, Connor Timmons last year too. I yeah. don't think that highly of Timmons, but yes. You've never seen him play then because <laughs> he's freaking pretty good. I think Timmons is pretty solid. Yeah, he'll be a good for, solid defenseman. Well, maybe for not where, in Arizona. For where he's at now, I don't see him as the same level as Barron and Hellison. But Barron's a good player. Barron's really good. He was definitely Connor the Timmons also one. does have injury issues. So Timmons, yeah, he missed a whole he missed a whole year in the AHL for concussions. So that's yeah. But no, when he when he plays, he's very good. He was okay. I, I was a big fan of his. Watch him in the Sioux. Yeah, yeah. Montreal did really well. Uh, Andy, would you like what was one trade for you that you were like, wow, I was you really love that for that team? Um, I don't know, like for today. Or over the weekend? Over the weekend. Uh, today was kind of a dud. Yeah, today was a dud. I guess for like, okay, well, for today was probably Flurry. Yeah. We'll go for that because they did need goaltending. Yep. Uh, Minnesota. But um, I don't know. I, I like, I like Cop to the Rangers. I do like that. But to, in general, I, I honestly, Tampa, or not Tampa, sorry, Florida <coughs> getting uh, Giroux and Sherratt were like two big solidifying moves for them i think i agree to make them to help them like it shares up there especially with ekblad being out that just gives yeah. them more d uh who else did they pick up on d actually hag hag yeah so that, that, those are just depth moves like hag was a depth move but charat i think was underappreciated in montreal although it was montreal this year that they weren't good at all besides the last couple weeks since st louis has been there and then yeah. Claude Giroux, like, say what you want about him. He's he's a gamer. 
he's when it comes stud. to playoff hockey, he's he's a stud, and it's just gonna provide offense. And he's not the only like he's not just a skilled player. Like, uh, he does get gritty. Like he he will lay bodies. He's a dirty little player. Like, and you hear player like you hear in interviews, especially like over the past like All Star breaks and stuff where they do like around like George Strombolopoulos when he was on CBC. Yep, he did like a roundtable talk, and then I think it was him, uh, like Giroux and Tyler saying, and then someone else was sitting there, and they're like, "Oh, like, what do you guys think about playing each other?" Like, "Oh," and both guys that I think it was T- uh, Jonathan Taves was there was a third guy. Both of them said, "Oh, I freaking hate playing against Giroux because he's a essentially a prick to play against. He's always in your ear chirping and stuff like that, but also he can put the puck in the back of the net, put points on the board." Yeah. So I think just for Florida, like obviously they're going all in. Same as like Minnesota, they're going all in this year. Minnesota really needed to because their cap space. But no, yeah, Florida's do. moves, those two moves with Sherratt and Drew, I liked a lot. Yeah, they yeah. gave up Tippett, but there was no like there's I don't no know, room like, for Tippett. There's no room for Tippett there, and you can't really let them sit in the minors. Nope. I think I, the the biggest needle pushers were. Minnesota, Florida, and Colorado. Whether yeah, you guys gave up a lot or not, I think those – and I actually would – I might add Calgary in there too. Yeah. I was, I was going to throw Tampa into the conversation. Um, yes and no. I like what they did, but I I just think the other three outweighed them. I think they're still going to be very tough to beat in the playoffs. But I think for impact on their roster, like Tampa already has a solid roster as we know. So I think for impact on the roster, like too off Grant was saying, I agree with him. Those three, those three squads did a lot. I I love what Minnesota did, to be quite honest. Uh, I honestly don't know where. I like Jake Middleton a lot. I don't even know where he fits in. How yeah. about you? Yeah, literally his brother, because yeah. he's he's either their sixth or seventh defenseman, depending how you value Kulikov, Merrill, or Middleton. Because you have Goligoski, Spurgeon, Dumba, and Brodine, and then Merrill, Kulikov, and Middleton. That might be the best decor in the playoffs, depth yeah. wise. And with Flurry back there and Talbot, like Talbot's a tandem goalie. Yeah. And Flurry, he he is a tandem goalie as of late, too. Like we've seen throughout the most, like the last five, six years of his career, he's been playing in tandems besides, I guess, in Chicago this year. But and in the playoffs, but yeah, but even so, like on that 17 cup run, he he started off for them and then Murray took it over. True. So you know, if they could feed off each other, if they if they get hot again, if Minnesota gets hot again, and then him and Talbot can fit, uh, feed off each other, I think it could do like go for a deep run, just decently deep run, anyways. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how they'll matchup against Colorado or anything like that but I I also thought Seattle did a very good job at this deadline it's almost as if we all had questions about the way Francis handled things at the expansion draft but it's almost as if he built this roster to get overpayments at the deadline that's what a lot of people are saying I don't I haven't even seen that I I just kind of spitballing but I oh I honestly thought that Oh no, like when after the expansion draft and people are like asking questions about it, like he left all these people off the board that he could have took. They're like, Well, maybe he's not 
trying to do what Vegas did. He's trying to build for the future and have a sustaining, like, like, like you know, three, four years down the road, have a sustaining, like, roster. Because the amount of second round picks, I think it was four second round picks he picked up at the deadline. A lot, yeah. Yeah, it and incredible. it's not like you're going to get a first for everything. So getting two second round picks for Geo was a really good pull and a third round pick for the Blackwell add-on too. Oh my god. Okay. So I did I did like that trade for a lot for Toronto. Yeah. I did I did too. I thought it was a good trade for both. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That one was another one I wanted to bring up. I think that makes Toronto somewhat better, but I mean their goaltending is still a mess and I'm not a huge fan. Blackwell helps out their bottom six a lot. I love Blackwell to Toronto. <laughs> that was a trade there. Two Sioux boys are just trying to help each other out. Exactly. Yeah. I, I hate Toronto's bottom six, and I think Blackwell helps a lot. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I kind of hated Toronto's deadline, though, other than that. Yeah, it's pretty boring. <laughs> I thought Satari. it was funny that, yeah, they, they picked up uh, Red Wings legend, Griffin's legend, Hari Satari. Yeah, and, and then, they got claimed. Yeah, because just because Arizona felt like it, which is funny. And he's going to play in the NHL, though, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah well, because uh, they Wedgwood got traded, so they needed a goalie. So that's why I thought yeah. they'd pick up Mrazek. But then you mentioned that Mrazek would help the Leafs too much. Yep. So what's they... what screws over the Leafs more? Picking yep. up Satari. <laughs> so that's what they did it. Um, yeah, uh, that's about it, though. I mean, unless you guys had any any other trades that you guys really thought stood out to you. No, I have the big question of who does Toronto roll with in the playoffs, though. Campbell can go six on five. Yeah, they should. <laughs> if it was Minnesota, they would. Minnesota's yeah. insane six on five. Hell yeah. Um, no, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Campbell, but yeah. Um, should be a fun week to watch the Red Wings and see how they respond to the deadline. Uh, also, the additions of Sunquist and Wallman should probably play tomorrow night, I think, depending on when they get in. Should not have any visa issues considering they both have been. I know Wallman's North American, I think he's Canadian, but. Sunquist has played in the NHL for a long time, so it shouldn't be an issue in that sense. But yeah, yeah no. pretty excited for the rest of the season. I, I, I'm I'm only taking out positives the rest of the time. I'm looking at the development of the likes of Zadina, Raymond, Cider, Lindstrom when he gets back in the lineup now. Uh, play com- competition between Ulevi and Wallman. The play of Larkin. Hopefully, Verona can get some consistency going again. Uh, and Bertuzzi. Again, I'm looking at all the big guys. I'm looking at the young guys and see how they progress. Valeno, Rasmussen. So yeah, Heronic's play as of late, too. Even Heronic. Exactly, threw down the stretch. Yeah, good call. Um, yeah. That's going to do it for this one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah.